Welcome to the Baxter Bowman Podcast. If you're obsessed with the strategies, gear, and stories that will make you a better backcountry bow hunter, you're in the right place. We're independent, unsponsored, and unbiased, so we can cut the fluff and give you detailed advice on what really works and what doesn't. Today's podcast is part of the Hunt Elk in 2020 series, where I walk my friend and new bow hunter Josh through what he needs to know for his first over-the-counter public land bow hunt. It's based on everything I learned that made me successful for three out of the first four years I bow hunted elk. I've found that I'm learning just as much as he is from this process, and I hope you do too. All right, we're back. Josh, how's it going today? Going good. Saturday morning podcast number, oh, wow, I don't even know which number this is, nine or 10? I think it's nine, something like that. But uh, you know, it feels weird with this COVID stuff instead of going outdoors sometimes on the weekends here. You're podcasting. You're thinking about yeah. being outdoors. <laughs> yeah, you're talking about being outdoors. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm, I'm going to get fired up today, man, because this is uh, this is one of my favorites. Picking the best elk arrow. Like, what makes a great elk arrow? You could, oh man, you go on for days on this thing. <laughs> I'm sure you can. Yep. Well, it's uh, it's super exciting stuff because you know at the end of the day, this is the only thing that touches the elk. Like, it's kind of crazy to think about it, but all the effort, all the stuff you do, like this is what what does the deed. So really important. You know, it's one of the pieces of gear. I think it's almost impossible to focus too much on just because like I said, it's the thing that does all the work of hunting. So uh, it's good stuff. So maybe we cover kind of the basics of arrows for guys. Uh, we're going to go off the, the gear guide that's up on the website, obviously, but talk a little bit about the basics first, and then we can talk about, you know, what makes what I think is like really critical stuff for a good elk arrow stuff that's kind of important and then stuff that really doesn't matter. Um, and then we can talk like about a lot of practical suggestions and recs I've got, which might not be in the article, but just get a little more into the weeds here. Cause you've got, you know, remind me, you've got some basic practice arrows, but you're still buying your, your elk arrows, right? Yeah. Yeah. I still do need to get my elk arrows. The practice arrows I have, I'm down to three now. <laughs> so I should probably get new arrows soon anyway. Yeah. Um, so this is, this is, this will be a great episode selfishly just for me to, to get to learn about like what I should consider when I, when I buy my next set of arrows. Yeah. Well, it's uh you did a great strategy, which I think we were talking about, which is buy some, the cheapest, worst arrows you can get right off the bat because we knew you'd lose a lot of them and it looks like you have. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I bought like six super cheap ones. I got that set down to like two or something. And then I bought like six more now and down to three. Yeah. So, and you've been, yeah. uh, you've been ramping your poundage too. So we'll talk about that in a bit, but you can't, you know, if you change poundage too much, you got to change arrows. So it was, it was good just to buy some cheap ones. You knew that you were going to leave behind anyway. Yeah. Yeah. There's one even stuck in my target right now. Cause it went through like the backside and halfway and like the fletching's all caught in there. So it's just sticking out of my target. It's pretty hilarious. That's perfect. Yeah. Awesome. Well, let's, um, let's hit the basics, do a little overview of arrows guys that know a lot. This might be common sense for them, but then we'll dive into the really deep stuff. Uh, so arrows, you know, there's really four components to an arrow, right? There's the, uh, the knocks and everything that goes in the back of the arrow. There's the shaft, which is what most people call the arrow itself. It's that little carbon tube or aluminum tube. And then there's the components and the point on the front end. It's the things that go into the front of it. And then the fourth piece is the fletchings, right? It's the stuff that creates the drag to stabilize the arrow. Mm -hmm. So they're pretty, you know, pretty simple overall, right? It's just four, largely four pieces um, of each of those. And the thing that, uh, that you really need to to pay attention to is the components. I think a lot of guys don't think about that, 
But before we get into that, there's some basics around the arrow itself. Uh, for compound archery versus traditional archery, get really confused between the two. In compound archery, you tune the uh, bow to the arrow. Hmm. So you're okay. going to cut, um, and actually I should probably back up even a level for guys that really aren't familiar with archery. There's, uh, there's this really interesting thing called the archer's paradox that is that the, the arrow is going to aim away from the point at which it actually goes. And that's because the arrow flexes during flight. Like a lot of other things we talked about, you know, it's like car suspension. It's got to be the perfect amount of flex, right? So a lot of guys have this misconception in their brain that an arrow, arrow is this totally rigid thing that just comes out the front of a, a bow like a bullet. Mm -hmm. It's actually, if you look at it in the middle of the air, it looks like a snake. It's kind of curving, right? Wow. And so if the arrow is too weak, it's actually going to curve too much and it's going to wobble off path. And if it's too mm -hmm. stiff, it actually won't even bend at all, which means it'll go off path as well. So you've got to have that perfect amount of bend in each of these arrows. Interesting. So it basically snakes its way to the target. Exactly. It's really crazy. Do uh, You can get your iPhone and do the ultra slow speed thing sometime behind someone's bow. It's really cool to watch. You'll see it kind of weaving through the air um, as it oscillates towards the target, which is kind of, kind of fascinating stuff. Yeah. No but, wonder when I, when some of my arrows, when they hit the target in my backyard, they're like the angles way off, but maybe because I'm too close to the target and hasn't straightened out yet. Or Yeah. And that might, it's usually just your bow tune. Um, oh, okay. So that, you know, that could be that too, but yeah, sometimes you know, if you're very close, sometimes it might be oscillating one way when it hits and the, mm -hmm. depending on what medium it goes into it, either like it's stuff, stuff won't correct or will correct, which is why you got to use a foam target for tuning. But oh man, that's another whole other subject. But anyway, it's so a lot of guys are like, holy moly, how do I pick that? You know, how do I find something that's perfectly tuned? Um, and what you have to figure out with an arrow is the right spine. Right, so that spine is the measurement of the stiffness of the arrow. Mm -hmm. And so they measure spine at, I think it's 28 inches. They put an arrow on two posts. They put like, a, I think it's two pound lead ball in the middle and they see how much it bends, right? Mm, okay. And so something that bends 0.3 of an inch is a 300 spine. Something that bends 0.5 of an inch is a 500 spine. So the stiffer the arrow, the smaller the spine number. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. So, yeah. so does everybody want a like a super stiff arrow so it's not oscillating as much? Or you know, that's one of my biggest biggest things when you're building an arrow is always always go a little stiffer because mm -hmm. you can you know target archers for example are shooting these arrows that are like a borderline rigid and they just barely bend and it's it's a lot easier especially with compounds um, to tune away the problems with stiffness than it than it is if it's too soft. You literally can't do anything about an arrow that's too soft. Oh, okay. So Got generally it. you want to err on the side of too stiff, but we can, we can talk about that. And this is not, we're not going to spend too much time on this today because this is kind of basic math. And like I said, with a compound, you tune the bow to the arrow. So you simply look at the spine charts, each of the manufacturers put out, mm -hmm. figure out your draw length. Yeah. Uh, and then you say, okay, well, this is the length of the arrow I need. And on this chart, they say this for this point weight. Um, there's something important to know. There's a di big difference between static spine and dynamic spine. I'm not going to go down that rabbit hole that drive guys nuts, but all they need to know is if you put more weight on the front of an arrow, it makes your spine weaker, right? Because you think about if you're taking a, a twig and you're putting it against the wall, if there's more resistance in the wall, what's going to happen? The twig is going to bend, right? Oh, okay. Versus if you're pushing something light, it's not really going to bend much. It's the same with putting more point weight on there. Mm -hmm. So you have to get the, you have to pick your point weight first. 
know your spine. Just go look at the chart. It's pretty simple. You'll get on the right range. Okay. Is the point weight, um, does the weight of the broadhead get considered when you look at the point weight or is that the components at the front of the arrow? Yeah, it's uh, it does. There's There's been a rise lately and we'll talk a lot about components. That's one of the most critical parts of the arrow, but there's been a rise of like heavier components lately. The manufacturers really haven't done a good job of working with their spine charts and telling people, do you include that? Do you not include that? Mm. Yet another reason to go a little stiffer. They are they already overestimate a tiny bit, and it's better for you to also overestimate a tiny bit too. But uh, for example, the difference between a hundred grain and a hundred and twenty-five grain point can often knock you up an extra level of spine for the arrow. Okay, which is and about every five pounds moves you five-ish pounds moves you up that chart too. So now you see why you had to buy different arrows, right? Because you different point weight or different draws. Yeah. You gotta have a different spine on that thing, or it's right. not gonna be accurate. Right. Uh, and that inaccuracy, like let's let's step back. The most important thing about an arrow when it's flying is it has to be dead straight. Because if it's not dead straight, the amount of resistance when it hits something is astronomical. By I, dead straight, do you mean like when it's oscillating left, oscillating right, left, right, that it's oscillating in an even amount? Pretty much. And so you're, it's always, even if it's oscillating, like if you chose one point in space, it's actually going to go through that same point in space. It's just going to slide left to right through it. Oh, I see. Okay. Really hard to convey on a podcast, but yeah, it's going to, it's going to go through there. So what you want it to do is when it hits that elk, Mm -hmm. if you drew a line perfectly down the middle of those oscillations, it is dead straight. Because if you think about it, all you're doing is pushing this tiny, tiny little diameter through the elk at Mm -hmm. that point. Versus if it hits that thing sideways, you're pushing an entire 28-inch thing through. Right. So that's at right. both extremes, but even slightly off can double or triple the amount of drag, which means you won't get penetration, which means oh, you got won't it. go through. Okay. So you want it to be dead center so you get maximized penetration or else it's like a sideways airplane like crashing into like a wall. Totally. And we're we're talking more about like we're picking the arrow itself today versus tuning and we'll cover tuning and a lot of these other things later, but I'm just kind of ripping through it real quick to to talk about this stuff so guys have it in the mind when they're picking the arrow because a lot of this this matters, right? Yeah. Um, so you pick that. Uh, you can do some interesting things there. I like to pick an arrow length that's at least past the shelf. A lot of guys just pick an arrow length that's like right on the the shelf, which is right where your rest is. And if you think about the tip of your finger sticking up, if you don't have a tight grip, which you shouldn't, if you're shooting well, slightly loose grip, you do not want that broadhead to be behind your finger. Right, right. So you stick that finger up and that thing goes through. You're in the backcountry five miles in, a, what might be a pretty mellow cut that you'd call 911 or just get someone to sit on could be life-threatening, right? I don't think you're going to bleed out through your finger, but you know, you just got to be very careful with that sort of stuff. So, yeah. And by the shelf, you mean that right on the, where you grip the the bow, right? Right where you grip the bow, that yes. flat part, right where your rest is. Um, so I tend to go a few inches longer. Uh, that's another hot tip for guys. If you are, um, we'll talk a little bit about the shafts and the weights, but the weights on all arrows are GPI or grains per inch. Mm-hmm. And so every inch of arrow length, it's this heavy because everyone's arrows are different lengths. So they have to standardize it. And you might get an arrow that's pretty darn light. But what you can actually do is cut it extra long and go up a spine. Because as you make the arrow longer, you need a stiffer spine because it's, you know, it's got more area to bend, if that makes right. sense. Mm-hmm. Um, so when you go up a spine, you're also going to get a heavier arrow. 
Right? So you've got a little leeway to kind of mess around there. You can go for something that's perfectly spined for right over your right over the shelf, or you can go for something that's a little stiffer spine with a length that's extra two or three, four inches out there. There's really no downside to having that arrow, you know, even five inches out the front of your bow. Got it. You've got a lot of room to play in there, you know, when you're trying to figure it out. And we'll talk about why weight is probably my number one thing in an elk arrow here. Okay. In a, in a minute, but that's just important stuff to know. Uh, so that's generally it. Uh, the shafts themselves, almost all of them are made of carbon fiber these days. Mm-hmm. Um, from a lot of surfing, I used to fabricate my own or make my own surfboards and do all the, uh, the epoxy and carbon fiber, uh, resin, uh, manufacturing, that sort of thing. And I also worked in the bike industry sponsored for racing mountain bikes for a while. So I'm pretty familiar with it. Um, the way uh, arrow is manufactured. So just so guys are familiar with this carbon fiber is a cloth, right? It's literally thousands of little fibers structured together. And the way you make an arrow shaft is you take a little tiny thin metal rod called a mandrel, right? And you literally, you take that cloth and you wrap it around it, just like you'd roll up a carpet. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes sense. And so, you know, it used to be aluminum. Almost everybody's moved to that carbon fiber for a reason, right? The, the aluminum stuff, if it bends once it's done forever, doesn't come back versus carbon is a lot stronger per weight and it's a lot more durable so that's the main reason almost all all, uh hunting arrows are now carbon but when you're i'm kind of bopping all over the map but we'll get we'll get to why this all matters here in a minute this so when you're wrapping that carbon what's important to know is that it's uh there's different weights and that depends on the modulus of the carbon fiber and i'm not going to go down those rabbit holes because guys are going to be like i do not want to know that all you got to know is there's different strengths of carbon fiber Mm-hmm. So you can wrap more of a weaker material or less of a stronger material, which has to do with burning more carbon atoms out of the fiber, yada, yada, yada. Um, and so the way you wrap it is going to lead to the two most important things. It's going to lead to the arrow weight, and it's going to lead to your spine consistency. And is the spine consistency the stiffness? Basically. So it's this, you know, the spine is the stiffness, mm-hmm. but the consistency is the most important spec in an arrow shaft in my opinion. Let's talk arrow shafts first. Yeah. Uh, but it's the one that most manufacturers don't list. Surprise, surprise. So what happens is a 300 spine, like I said, is like 0.300, right? Mm-hmm. And within a batch of 12 arrows, so arrows are sold usually six if they're fletched or pre-fletched or they're 12 or a dozen if they are just raw shafts. Mm-hmm. We'll talk about some of the big differences between making your own or buying here in a bit. But those that arrow spine in a group of 12 might be point. So for 300 spine, it might be 0. 0.295, 0.298, 0.305, 0.300, oh. 0.310. Does that make sense? It makes sense. So it's not that every single arrow in that set of six or set of 12 is exactly a 300 uh, stiffness spine. Like there's a little bit of variance. Yeah. And we're going to complicate it even more. So think about <laughs> when you're wrapping a, uh, a carpet up, you've got one end, it's got to end somewhere, right? Oh yeah. And also you might not have wrapped it perfectly straight, right? It might be kind of diagonal. That Mm -hmm. makes sense. Mm -hmm. So as you rotate around that arrow, like if you're looking at it from the back, Mm -hmm. depending on which way you rotate that arrow, the spine is also going to (laughs) change. Oh wow. That's crazy. Am I scaring you yet? (laughs) Yes, definitely. So what's really important is that if you've got a spine that's, you know, five 0.005 off, or 0.010 or like a big number off of another one, mm-hmm. you're going to have huge variability. 
right? You're going to have something that hits a few inches to the left or a few inches to the right. And it's going to make it almost impossible to tune because when you tune a bow, like we talked about with the compound bow, you're tuning the bow to the arrow mm-hmm. versus if you're doing trad stuff, you're going to change point weight. You're going to cut the shaft. You're going to do a lot of other things you will not do with compound generally. So don't get the two confused if you're listening to another podcast. But since you're tuning it, um, you're tuning stuff to that arrow. Oh, I totally lost my train of thought. <laughs> you're talking about uh, consistency. So if you tune it to the arrow, but the oh, yeah. consistency is way off, then you end up tuning it to the arrows, like yeah. multiple arrows, right? You, you might, you know, the other thing that a lot of guys do is they'll pick one arrow and they'll tune it to that. Mm-hmm. I'm like, uh-oh, like, do you know that's the right arrow? Do you know that's the arrow that's in the dead middle of all your arrows? Do you? So I'm not trying to scare the crowd out of you, but if you have arrows that have really consistent spine, then mm-hmm. it takes away all those problems. Right. Oh, okay. So would you say spine consistency is most important? Of, of this like raw stats on an arrow shaft, one of those four pieces? Yes, mm-hmm. absolutely. Okay. Bar none. That's the thing I would want in everything. Unfortunately, the only way to really test it is to have an arrow spine tester, which is like two or 300 bucks. Oh, dang. Um, of course, I've played with one. I got to buy another one here. I've been using the shops for a bit, but um, I do that with all the arrows and I for the ones I reviewed too, just so guys don't have to. Mm-hmm. But uh, generally, if you get a good arrow and you've tested the spine and it's a known, a known company that has good tolerances, like it's, you're going to get good spine. So all the recs I've got up on the blog and then I will talk about, like, I know they're good ones. They're companies that care about this. Uh, you know, they, they sometimes market it. They usually don't because guys just, it's very hard to get that concept and you can't really market that in 10 seconds, right? Oh, interesting. Yeah. yeah. So while we're on... Um, while we're on this, you know, with the arrow shaft itself, there's a few other specs you're going to hear. Uh, one is straightness, right? Um, and this is, this goes in my brain in the less important categories. This is not critical. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's really generally three buckets here. You're talking in thousandths of an inch and they measure straightness over the course. There's different ways guys do this. The industry standard is over, I think 28 inches you know, what your straightness is over that period. Some companies measure it for the entire arrow, which is especially important as you get stiffer and stiffer ones that might be 30, 34 inches um, on a blank. But anyway, just make sure you're comparing apples to apples. It's plus or minus, you know, 0.001, 0.003, and 0.006 are generally the three categories. It might be 2.5, it might be 5, but, you know, it's kind of those three levels of straightness, right? Mm -hmm. So when they're making these arrows, they're wrapping thousands. They actually don't make the arrow shaft itself. What they're going to do is they're going to make the mandrel or that rod is going to be like six or 10 feet long, Mm -hmm. right? Because it's easier for them just to wrap. Carbon fiber comes in these giant fabric bolts. It's easier for them just to wrap, wrap it around that and then cut, you know, eight arrow shafts out of one rod, if that makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. So they take each of these different shafts and they're grading them and they're looking at the overall straightness of this thing and they just sort them. So it's really important for guys to know there's not something physically different in the way a 0.001 match grade arrow is constructed. It's literally the exact same material. And I forgot a little bit, which is that it's carbon fiber. And then you also have to glue the carbon fiber together with this resin that you bake and hardens. Mm -hmm. Um, So there's a little kind of sticky resin in there that becomes rock hard over time, but it's literally the exact same resin and carbon fiber. Like, and it might even be just one step below it on the pole. That makes sense, right? Just a different segment of that pole they've chopped up so don't get too obsessed with straightness because you're literally getting the exact same thing it's just one of them measured with the laser straightness 
a little bit a little bit better than the other one. Got it. So let me see if I understood this correctly. You have a a long, basically like like a imagine like a maybe like a twenty foot long rod, like giant arrow, and then they slice it up into many smaller arrow shafts, and then they look at how straight that whole set is, and then mm-hmm. move some over to like, oh, these are less straight, and these are like really straight. Totally. Yeah, that's exactly it. And so often, you know, spine consistency and straightness, that's why I started with this, tend to correlate a little bit. Like if you have good straightness, you generally have better uh, spine consistency. But an arrow that has good spine consistency is going to probably have pretty good stuff across all three. So okay. That's why it's most important. Yeah. So a lot of guys obsess about getting the 0.001 and the 0.003, you know, and I would generally say, as long as you're at the 0.003, which is the middle option or 2.5 or whatever it is, you're fine. Okay. You don't really need the 0.001. The only time I've been able to tell a difference with that is like target shooting at 80 to 100 yards. Okay. Um, so that's my rec to guys. Don't worry too much about straightness. That middle tier is totally fine. You really, really want to worry about a company that has good spine consistency, which we'll talk about yeah. in a bit. So then when you go to buy arrows, they're each arrow um, shaft that you go to buy, they'll have like three levels of straightness. And as long as you buy the middle tier or the top tier, you're good. Yeah. And they, not all of them offer three tiers of straightness. Um, you know, another hot tip on this is when you're, you know, if you're buying arrows off the, sha- off the shelf, they're just always going to knock off one end of it to your, di- your length of arrow and then just send it to you. But in mm-hmm. reality, there's a really funky thing that tends to happen, which is almost all of the straightness, um, the variances in straightness tend to happen at the ends of the arrow shaft. Hmm. So if you're making it yourself, you can spin that shaft while you're making it and you'll see the wobble in the last two or three inches. So you oh. might see the wobble in the last two or three inches on one end and the last inch on the other end. If you got to cut four inches off, you go, okay, I'm going to cut three on that end and one on that end. Oh, you can I make, see. you know, since all they did was cut a giant rod in two sections and one of them is more or less straight you can do the same thing when you're cutting down especially if you have a smaller draw length mm-hmm. you can cut off the wobbly sections oh i see okay yeah so you can you can like also you know i've taken 0.03s or 0.025s from a great company and cut down those and you know eight or ten out of 12 turn into 0.001s oh got it okay yeah so it's really that's why i think the middle's totally fine you can always cut them out to something that's generally straighter it's totally mm-hmm. fine, right? Um, so another thing with those raw arrow shafts, and then we're just kind of bopping around talking about the raw arrow shafts and basics there, and then we can talk about the stuff that really matters. So another important factor that I think isn't that important is the weight tolerance. Um, so not only do you have spine consistency, but you know, is it heavier or lighter, right? So variance in weight, you have something, and they measure all arrows in grains, which I think there's. Oh, I'm going to butcher this. I think there's a few thousand or a few hundred grains in an ounce. I think it's a few hundred grains in an ounce. Um, so it's lighter than a gram. Mm-hmm. But there are tolerances. You, know, you might get companies that have tolerances of plus or minus one grain, plus or minus two. Some won't even list it. Generally not that important with the aero shafts. Um, I've experimented a lot with this, of course, like all these things. <laughs> tweaking it i just want to check it out but unless you're shooting past 60 yards you're really not going to notice a difference if they're within five to ten grains of each other yeah so you're you're saying weight tolerance is the variance in weight in your set of arrows in the arrow shafts yeah in the the entire arrow when it's built yes but you when they sell them they sell the shafts by weight tolerance got it okay um 
So five to 10 grains really doesn't matter for like because, that distance. Is that because the grains doesn't really, it won't affect like how straight the arrow shoots. It's just, it'll only affect how fast it shoots. Yeah, it'll exactly. It'll always just affect, uh, I mean, yeah, speed, I'm not going right? to dissect that statement. Too much. Yeah, it'll only go <laughs> okay. up or down, right? It's, it's okay. a vertical drift. Now where I really do notice it is if you're shooting at hundred yards, I found that one grain means anywhere from half an inch to a full inch of difference top to bottom. Oh, got it. So I can screw yeah, yeah, in. Yeah. I can screw in a twenty grain uh, point addition to some of the arrows I've used, and I can see it drop like you know a foot and a half at hundred yards. Gotcha! Wow, so if you that's crazy. Really care about target archery, and you like practicing at long range, and you're obsessed with the best. Yeah, worry about this. Like for example, I'll weigh every component when I'm building a dozen arrows. I'll weigh every fletching, and I'll weigh every component, and I'll sort them, you know, highest to lowest. And then I'll flip that with the other stuff. So I'm trying to get everything to like within a grain, every arrow to within a grain of each other. Right, right. Very hard to do, but I love that because then I know it's 100% me if something's off at 100 yards. Yeah, yeah. Um, but we'll talk about building arrows in another podcast. So that's that's kind of the carbon rod, right? And that's really what you're buying when you're buying arrows. Um, mm-hmm. So we've covered a little bit of that. Let's, uh, maybe we dive. I think that's given guys generally a good overview of arrows and what they need to do. Let's dive into the stuff that I think is like absolutely critical, like the most important for a okay. great elk hunting arrow. Uh, we yeah. talked a bit about spine consistency in the raw arrow and that's all in that shaft, but by far number one uh, thing I can say to guys is arrow weight. Uh, so this is very contentious. Probably get a few guys that are going to try to yell at me on this one, but um, there's two schools of thought here, right? One is that um, energy, right? Total kinetic energy and speed is better. And the other is momentum or arrow weight. Mm-hmm. So uh, we're not going to dive into the physics of this, but basically speed is like how hard it hits you. And then yeah. momentum is how much energy it retains. And I'm 100% in that retain camp based on my experiences in shooting elk and just playing with targets. Like that ability... When it comes down to it, what you want is you want that arrow to go through an elk. Yeah. Right. You, that's how archery kills. So the problem is a lot of guys come from gun hunting and there's so much excess energy there that they're used to, you know, speed and power kill something. Mm-hmm. So you get hydrostatic shock and a lot of, you know, secondary tissue damage and ballistic trauma, right. Versus an arrow. Like, let me give you an example. Um, a standard, like a seven millimeter mag is pushing like 3000 foot pounds of energy out of the muzzle. Right. And it's going like 3,100 feet with 140 grain bullet. Mm-hmm. That thing is cooking with an, with a bow. Let's say you're super freaking strong. You're pulling 75 pounds. You've got a 350 IBO bow. You've got a 500 grain arrow. You're shooting freaking railroad ties. I mean, you're, you're cranking arrows out mm-hmm. you know, 300 feet per second with that heavy of an arrow, which is a real heavy arrow. Um, although I shoot like a 550, we'll get to that later. <laughs> That's going to come out with a hundred foot pounds of energy. So 3000 versus a hundred. Wow. Yeah. And that's most guys are gonna be shooting like 60, mm-hmm. by the way, that's like half the energy of a 22 rim fire. You've shot a 22, right? Just a little, yeah, yeah. Pew, 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 pew. So that's the difference between a gun and a bow. There's almost zero energy. So you're not worried <laughs> about imparting energy to something because mm-hmm. like the elk's gonna be like, what did you just flick me? What you're what you're really worried about is creating the longest slice 
through the yeah. animal, right? Penetrating all the way through because that slice is what's going to allow fast bleeding, low blood pressure, instant cardiac arrests, and boom, loss of consciousness. And then they're going to bleed yeah. out, right? That's that's it. That's how things die. Interesting. In so when you hit something with a really fast or hard arrow, it's there's not much, there's no benefit, right? It's like hitting them at 60 foot pounds versus 70, great, right? Mm-hmm. But if you get something that retains its energy and pushes all the way through the elk, much better, right? So that's the general thought. We could talk about that for 30 more minutes. We're going to skip. But there's also some huge other benefits to shooting a really heavy arrow that have to do with the bow. One, the bow gets a lot more efficient. So to rephrase that, you can actually raise your bow's IBO. Guys are like, what? That blows people's minds. They're like, I don't get it. Um, Basically, when you're shooting a bow with a light arrow, a lot of, I'm trying to think of a good example. If If I give you an exercise ball at the gym, if I throw you a really, really light one pound ball and you're like, throw that back to me as hard as you can, you might push and you almost go off balance, right? Because mm-hmm. your entire body's like, whoa, I can't quite do this. But if I throw you a 30-pound ball, you push on that ball, and all the energy you put out goes into that ball. Right, right. right. It's like throwing a pine cone versus of throwing a rock. So a bow is a lot more efficient, way more efficient with heavier arrow. Okay. It really depends on the cam system mm-hmm. and largely on the weight of the cam. Heavier cams are like a, a prime are typically going to be more efficient at a higher uh, arrow weight, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but that's, it's huge. So you basically are getting increased efficiency. So the rule, the general rule of thumb, there's a few of them with arrows is that for every three grains of arrow weight, you lose a foot, uh, foot per second of speed. Okay. Right. So that's one. Um, the others are, you know, every inch of draw length is 20 feet per second of speed, that sort of thing. So you're kind of messing with those pieces, but it's heavier arrow is going to make it a lot more efficient. That's that three doesn't really hold up as it gets higher and higher. Mm-hmm. Second, because you've put more energy into the arrow, your bow is going to be far quieter, right? Because there's less vibrations or uh, re- um, leftover energy in the bow itself. Yeah, it's less uh, resonance. Is that the word? Yeah, that's what I was going for. Nice. Yeah. So. You've, I mean, I think I've showed you this at the range when we were shooting together back before the COVID stuff. You, you shoot a light arrow and it's like, snap! <laughs> My arrow, yeah, it's so loud. It's like, boing, pow, right? Yeah. And you shoot yeah. a heavy arrow and it's like, boom. <laughs> right. So there's quite a difference. Elk don't tend to jump the string like whitetails and that sort of thing, but it doesn't, it really doesn't hurt. Because even, you know, I've had situations where I've shot an elk and they don't know where it came from. If it's not that loud, just like, boom. And they, right. they just kind of jump like, whoa, what's that? So they're not going to run as far as fast. Um, there's big advantages there. So that's second benefit. Third, heavier arrows are actually way more easy or easier to tune and more accurate. They're, the heavier something is, the less affected by little factors it is. So if you are slightly off um, on a tune, it's going to take more more being off to move a heavier arrow versus a light arrow. Guys, again, are going to get very angry at me about that statement, but found it to be true. Same with wind. Heavier arrow is going to buck the wind, even if they're the same diameter. We'll talk about diameter in a minute. Mm-hmm. The heavier it is, the more force has to act upon it to move it. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it's generally easier to tune. Because the arrow is heavier, heavier, it's going to go slower. The slower a bow, an arrow goes, the less wind force is acting against it. Mm-hmm. So it's also easier to tune. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. 
Yeah. And then finally, this is also a contentious one, but I love saying contentious stuff because I believe it and I've tested it. <laughs> but they have a better long range trajectory and energy retention. Heavier arrows do. Um, and this shouldn't be a surprise to guys. Everyone's really obsessed about ballistic coefficients um, and the 6.5 Creedmoor in specific on the gun side of things. And that's because you've got a very, very heavy bullet with very small amount of diameter and frontal area. Mm -hmm. And so it retains energy far longer. And the same is true of a heavier arrow. You know, when I switched from very light to very heavy arrows, I was blown away because the trajectory was actually the same, if not better at 100 yards with a heavier arrow. I'm like, how the hell does that make sense? And what it is, is that the fletching always creates drag. That's the point of the fletching is to create drag to straighten the arrow out. Mm -hmm. And a lighter arrow is affected more by that than a heavier arrow. So over the long range, the lighter arrow is going to decelerate way quicker because it's A, it's going faster, so it has more wind resistance. And B, it's the wind resistance is acting more upon it because it's lighter. Interesting. Okay. So you actually get very good trajectories and really good retained energy out into extreme distances with these arrows. Now, that doesn't really start to hit until 60 to 100 yards. You know, effective range is something that, again, if you want to talk to, this is like the contentious episode. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, effective range is kind of on everybody. My measure of effective range is like, what can I put in a eight inch or 10 inch diameter, like basically a dinner plate um, from a cold start, you know, nine out of 10 times. Right. By cold start, I mean, I've been shooting for five minutes. I mean, I like walk up to the range and pull back. So that's different for everybody. And at some point, no matter how good you are, you know, if you're out at 100 yards, something, it, there's so much time for that arrow to get there that you're risking that animal moving and yada, yada, yada. So all I'm trying to say is that that doesn't matter as much, but guys freak out and they're like, well, I don't want to go heavy because I want a good trajectory. Um, the other thing you're going to hear a lot is, oh man, I want to be able to shoot 100 yards. I need a lighter arrow. That's 100% untrue. It's more about your peep height from your, um, your knock point. So, but again, man, I could go down so many rabbit holes. <laughs> but basically, arrow weight is very important. And then leaning heavier, there's a lot of advantages to tuning the bow, yeah. uh, making the shot quieter, and then carrying that momentum so that you're optimizing for the arrow going through the elk, not just impacting really hard. Yeah, this is a great summary. You're keeping me honest here, Josh. So, <laughs> what guys go is they all go, oh, well, so what grain arrow should I be shooting? Mm -hmm. And you'll often get guys that say, oh, shoot a 420 or a 480 or a four. And I'm like, that's the worst advice you got because that's based on what their unique setup, right? The draw weight they're pulling and the draw length they're pulling. Right. Which are huge. And the IBO of their bow. Those three things drastically affect how fast that arrow is moving, mm -hmm. right? And so there's really two rules of thumb I'm going for when I'm looking for a great elk arrow. And this, if I could tell people one thing, this would be it, is try to get your arrow in the seven to 10 grains of arrow weight per pound of bow weight, draw weight. We'll talk, we'll get that in a second. Don't worry. And try to get your arrow somewhere between 216, 280 feet a second. So let's, let's pick each of those apart. First, the 260 to 280. The only downside I can find of heavy arrows is that your trajectory is going to get worse, right? With heavier arrows, like it's going to drop more. Exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So and that's pretty easy to control for. You basically say, okay, well, at what speed of the arrow is a good, like the minimum trajectory that I think is a good trajectory. And so we'll try to get the heaviest possible area, arrow that gets you that speed. Mm -hmm. And I think there's this magic 260 to 280 feet per second 
especially if you're shooting fixed blade broadheads, which I'm a huge proponent of. Um, and this is not just me. I've heard this from a lot of guys. Um, uh, your Aaron Snyder, um, Dudley on knock on. There's a bunch of guys that kind of say, Hey, that 280 is right where it gets hard to tune an arrow mm-hmm. on fixed blade. So my general advice is try to get as much weight as you can to get into that 260 to 280 feet per second. And most guys don't have a chronograph. They can't measure how fast it's coming out the end of their bow. Your shop might, but they also don't want to buy arrows, build them, and then figure out how fast they are. You can go online and find these you know, arrow speed calculators. Just check it out. Look at your, enter your bow, your draw length, all that stuff, and it'll tell you how fast your arrow should be coming. They're not perfectly accurate. They're close enough. Mm-hmm. So when I'm telling guys, hey, what are you aiming for? Try to get something in that 260 to 280 feet per second, the heaviest possible arrow in that range. And I shoot right now, mine's coming out at 256. I'm fine with that. It's totally fine. I shoot to 120 all the time um, with that setup. And no big deal. So somewhere in there. Okay. So with the online calculator, are there just like different things people can punch in to calculate roughly how fast their arrow is going to be? Yep. It'll ask you, you know, all the essentials, right? So what's your peak draw weight of your bow? Mm-hmm. What's the IBO of the bow? What's your draw length? What's the weight of the arrow? And then how much weight you have on the string? Because uh, what people also, another thing they don't realize is that your bow doesn't know the difference between your arrow or whatever sitting on your string. It's just pulling on anything that's mm-hmm. there, right? So if you have extra heavy silencers or dampers, if they're not in the right location, again, the rabbit hole, we're not going to go down that. Um, it will slow down your arrow. Yeah. You know, a peep sight, for example, the heavier the peep, the slower your arrow is going to come out. So right, right. really you just, your button. exactly. So you just assume yeah. it's about 20, 20 grams. You call it a day. It's another reason I'm not a huge fan of kisser buttons um, mm-hmm. for people after they've learned good form, but uh, you get to that point and you're good to go. So that's, that's something to aim for. You can kind of estimate it there. Then we get into the magical rule, which is seven to 10 grains of arrow weight per pound of bow weight. Mm-hmm. And that's going to confuse a lot of guys. Everybody knows the peak draw weight of your bow, right? You might buy a 70 pound bow. They might tune it down. Most guys are going to take a 70 pound bow and tune it down to 65 ish pounds, somewhere in that realm. If they're strong, big guys, um, I really don't think you need to shoot more than 55 to 65 feet per second for elk with these bows these days, but that's again, another thing to go down. But so you take that weight, right? Let's use a, let's use a, fairly uh simple example so you have a 70 pound bow mm-hmm. right seven times seven is 49 right mm-hmm. so you have the zeros back on there that's a 490 grain arrow 49 that is seven grains of arrow weight per pound of draw weight does that make sense yeah, that makes sense so if you were to go to 10 grains that's gonna be a 700 grain arrow <laughs> right right okay just stinking heavy most most um most white-tailed deer arrows are going to be like high 300s low 400s yeah uh, and that's that's really light for uh for an elk now the funky thing about this rule um so i've got a really cool thing going on with my wife where she shoots a 44 pound bow for elk and i'm shooting a 67 pound bow for elk mm-hmm. and this it's paradoxical but the lower your draw weight the higher end of that range you want to be. So for example, she's just over 10 grains per pound of draw weight. She's got a 445 grain arrow. Why do you go heavier when you have a lighter bow? Seems wrong. Well, it's more and more and more and more efficient, right? Interesting. So like more momentum. Yeah. So it's really paradoxical, but the 
weaker your draw weight, the more weight you want in the arrow because you're retaining more and more and more and more yeah. of that energy, right? Got so it. she's got a horrible trajectory. She's shooting like 210 feet a second, I think. I can't mm -hmm. remember her stuff off the top of my head, but she can only shoot out to 50, but that's basically her effective range anyway. Yeah. And so that's great because she is 100% maximized the energy that's transferred to that arrow, which at that draw weight you need to do. Um, but I'm 100% confident also she can kill an elk with that, no problem. Mm -hmm. On the other end of the spectrum, I'm shooting 67. Uh, I'm shooting a 550 grain arrow, which is honestly a tiny bit heavier than I'd want, but I'm right at like 8.2, I think, grains, grains per pound. Grains per, yeah. And uh, I'm shooting like 256. That thing is smoking. I mean, I yeah. could put, I'm pretty confident if I straight into a shoulder blade, it would go through that, uh, mm -hmm. which is a great feeling. But, you know, so for guys that seven to 10, isn't like, Hey, you have 70 pound bow <laughs> to shoot a 700 grain arrow. No, you can, I think like a 490 to a 550, right. you know, it would be a great one for a guy to 70 pounds. Cause you're going to get all those benefits we talked about from a heavy arrow mm -hmm. and go from there. So that's why I tend to not say like, this is the right weight for you it's that multiply it out for your individual setup does that make sense yeah that makes sense so you take your draw weight uh let's say for me i think i'm at like 50 pounds right now and mm -hmm. slowly cranking it like every week or two but let's say 50 pounds you multiply that by seven the low end so my arrow should be somewhere between 350 grains and then you take the 50 pounds and multiply that by 10 grains so 500 so that means my arrow should be somewhere between 350 and 500 grains and then make sure it's between 260 and 280 feet per second. Yeah. And since you're, if you're at 50 pounds of draw, you're mm -hmm. definitely on the light end too. You know, I yeah. would make sure you're at least nine to 10 grains per pound. Um, so I'd want you at least in that 450 range, probably. Uh, got it. Got it. That up. Yeah. Makes sense. Just for you to shoot. And it's a hard, you know, it's harder for people on that low end because you've got to make a decision of building an arrow for elk that might not be great for target archery. Right. Right. For me, it's not the end of the world because I'm, pushing so much weight that I can still shoot a 550 grain arrow at hundred yards, no biggie. And it's, you know, just play with my slider sight. So, but I, I think with your setup, it's even more important to get a really good, you know, really good heavy arrow. And we can always get you some other lighter arrows for the rest of the year when you're shooting target. Right. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. So would you recommend I like start cranking that weight up, up to where I want it to be during elk season sooner before I buy the buy the arrow yes yeah, so you that is a really important point probably should have brought that up at the beginning but you've got to pick you have to pick a weight uh, when you pick the arrows yeah the only type of tuning you'll do to the arrow not with the boat or the arrow to the bow mm -hmm. uh, with compound bows is you might tweak your drop uh, draw weight up a pound or two up or down a pound or two because sometimes you'll find a perfect match with that arrow and it'll be you can chest group size each of those if you're really anal yeah. Again, if you don't care, like it doesn't matter. You can just get a bullet hole with a and a bear shaft. I tend to go off bear shafts. Well, again, tuning later, um, you'll be good to go. So, yeah, but you got to pick your draw weight before you buy arrows. Gotcha. Okay, so that's why right now for you, it's really important to keep cranking that. And then you're like, yeah, about it. I will go down one little rabbit hole on draw weight. Almost everybody pulls too much. I'm pulling. I'm back down to 63. I can pull 70, 75. Mm -hmm. But I'm gonna, I'm probably gonna shoot 63 this year, just because that's more than enough energy for an elk, man. Like that's yeah. totally fine. And what <laughs> really matters, that extra five pounds of draw weight is not gonna kill your elk any more dead. Mm -hmm. Like run the numbers, it's pretty easy to do. 
but your ability to draw that sitting down cold in the morning, right? And yeah. when you're putting, when you're letting down to let down super slowly, not have it jump on you and make noise, mm-hmm. that could be the difference between an elk and or not. I mean, you know, last year I shot my elk sitting down while I was eating dinner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> First night is pretty incredible. But mm-hmm. that, you know, I had a boat weight that was mellow enough for me that I literally reached over and while sitting down, I could just draw that thing low and then pull it up and shoot it. So yeah huge huge encourager of don't you'll find your peak the maximum you can pull on one like it's a one rep max like weightlifting right and then back mm-hmm. off of that five to ten pounds yeah um, so back off of it quite a bit and also oh my goodness talk to anybody that's been in archery 10 to 20 years mm-hmm. oh yeah shoulder injury i've had surgery i've had this like you will hear that all the time yeah archery is a very unnatural thing on your shoulder it is incredibly hard on it it's a great reason to weightlift stabilize your shoulders like you can really get injured so i want to be shooting archery for 30 40 50 years i'm i'm investing in that now by doing a lower draw weight yeah i'm not so, gonna earn ego points but i don't care like i really don't <laughs> care i'll tell guys i got i'd pull 62 all day long really don't care. Yeah. yeah so not to be even more contentious and not to call anybody out but those people with giant biceps shooting 80 pounds you don't really that's unnecessary <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I think it is for them. It's it's unnecessary for most guys, but for them, it's not. You know, I bet someone I'm not going to name names, but guys that you see on Instagram and you know YouTube that are pulling, they could probably pull a hundred, right? So pulling but, eighty for them is like you or me pulling fifty five. So I think it's actually totally fine for them. It's awesome. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, it yeah, all yeah. depends on your unique situation, right? Right, right. Like, man, I wish I had those biceps. You know, wish I was looking like some of those dudes sometimes. But I know that's not me. Right, <laughs> I'm, I'm lean and mean, but. uh that's that's that. So we're we're starting to go down. Let's talk a little bit more about. So we talked a lot about tuning and building that perfect elk arrow. Let's talk about the specifics of what you're buying now. Let's yeah. kind of go back to like the critical factors. Diameter. Uh, this is probably the, the hottest marketing thing you're going to hear about. Micro diameter arrows came out like five or six years ago, mm-hmm. and everyone's freaking out on the micros. You know that's a huge deal, and I I do believe they are genuinely better. Um, but let's talk a little bit about that. So there's really, for hunting shafts, they're, they're again, just hunting shafts, there's really three diameters of arrows. Um, and we're just talking about that carbon fiber shaft piece right now, right? How thick that is. And it's always measured off the inside diameter. Um, the reason being is that's the diameter of that metal rod, right? That mandrel that goes through the middle. Mm-hmm. And like we talked about, if you're using more expensive or less expensive or stiffer or lighter carbon fiber material, you use more or less of it. So it's going to be different, right? So an arrow that's, they all have the same inner diameter might have a slightly different outer diameter. So it'd be almost impossible to classify arrows because they'd all, there's like thousands of outer diameters. Right, right, right. Yeah, that makes sense. So there's three standard inner diameters. There's 0.246, which is just your standard straight arrow you're going to get at the, at the um, bow shop. That's, Easton calls that six millimeter. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's small diameter, which is 0.204 or five millimeters, what Easton calls that. And then there's micro diameter, which is 0.165, sometimes 0.166, depending on your manufacturer. Uh, Easton calls that four millimeter. Mm-hmm. Right? And so those are not industry standard names. Those are my standards, right? Standard diameter, small diameter, micro diameter. Mm-hmm. Um, there's even nano diameter and target. Some of those are starting to work their way into hunting, but not quite yet. But the problem is you're going to get different manufacturers that call them different things. Someone might call a small diameter a micro diameter. 
Okay. But just know there's those three categories. There's 246, 204, and a 165. Okay. And then we'll talk about components here in a minute because uh, the components are really the most important thing um, in an arrow other than the shaft. And like that's the weak point on most arrows these days. Carbon fiber is mm -hmm. super strong. But when it gets to that shaft diameter, right? There's a lot of things you're going to hear folks pitch at you. Um, there's really four benefits to a skinnier arrow uh, that they'll talk about. And then I'll give you my opinion on it. One is wind resistance, right? So pi r squared, we all went through high school math. Diameter, little change in diameter makes a big difference in surface area, mm -hmm. right? And so that diameter gets more affected by the wind. So if you have a standard diameter arrow and you got a 10 mile per hour crosswind and you've got a micro diameter arrow, it's going to drift a lot less to the left or the right as you shoot it out at an elk at 60 yards, right? If it's smaller. If it's smaller. I've tested this. Yeah. It's a difference of six to eight inches, which is, that's more than enough to get you out of the kill zone, right? Yeah, true. Um, so that's one they tote. Two, increase penetration, right? And I, I really do think this is the biggest one, which is since you have less drag on the outside of the shaft, like it cuts the wind, it's going to cut even more in a solid material, right? Right, it's right. It's not going to hit. But what I don't think guys realize, yeah, when you shoot an animal, there's blood to lubricate the whole, the flesh is not going to like stay perfectly. You cut yourself, it zips back, fortunately, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, put a hole in yourself and it stayed that way. That'd be a problem. But where this really, really matters is when you're punching a hole through bone. So if you think about all broadheads are going to have the same diameter of the head, I'm not talking about the blades. I'm talking about the metal piece, right? I think yeah. that's 930 seconds or I don't know off the top of my head, but it's the same. Now, if the arrow shaft is the same diameter as that, you punch a hole in the bone and that means the edge of the bone is going to be dragging along the shaft the entire oh. way down the arrow, right? Yeah. yeah. Now, if that diameter of the arrow shaft is even a small little bit, tiny little bit smaller than the diameter of that broadhead, there's going to be no drag or very little drag, right? It's only going to drag on one side at any given moment. Oh, wow. It's going to go through that bigger hole that the broadhead punched out. And mm -hmm. somebody's going to take the broadhead the exact same amount of energy to do that. But now you've got a whole lot less drag going through. So I really think that's a humongous difference. Um, you can shoot this into foam targets and you'll see a massive difference too. Honestly, mm -hmm. micro arrows are a pain in the butt to shoot in the, in the foam targets because they're sometimes they zip through. I put some nice holes in my walls in my place. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, it's great. Especially when you start shooting super heavy arrows. Like a 550 mm -hmm. micro arrow, man, it's hard to stop that thing. Yeah. Um, but that is a huge one. That's a really big benefit of a micro arrow. Number three, strength and durability. I've got a great photo of this up on the guide. But as you... Uh, actually, a wider diameter arrow is stronger. Like they, It's stronger, but because it's a stronger design, they can use less material to make mm -hmm. it the same strength. So a 300 spine arrow that's wider is going to have less material and a smaller one. Now that's actually a good thing because the more material means what? A thicker wall on the arrow. And because the wall, the diameter is smaller, the wall thickness has to go up to get more material on it. Oh, I see. Okay. That's, if guys aren't getting that on the podcast, totally fine. Just go look at the picture. If you look at the, a micro diameter that weighs the same as a uh, grains per inch as a large diameter, you're going to see much thicker walls on that thing. Got it. Interesting. So they're much stronger. They're much more impact resistant. Um, not stronger, much more impact resistant, right? And they're very, <laughs> very durable. So that's awesome. Finally, better trajectory. In the same way that they're less affected by the wind, they're less affected by drag. 
Um, this one I've tested a little bit and you only notice a few inches at you know, 80, 100 yards, but it's there, small benefit. So now you're like, okay, cool. I want a small diameter shaft, right? If I sold you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think small, small is the way to go. Yeah, so that's it, right? And everybody's like, oh, awesome. I really, really want one. Now here's the problem. They're expensive, right? Dang it. <laughs> they're harder to make. Then this is why the marketing machine goes so hard on them. They're harder to make. They're more expensive. Um, and the most painful thing with these is the components. So now we can kind of jump into that. And that's where this stuff gets really important. So components, and this is another massively critical thing. If you're looking at a, uh, if you're looking at an arrow point, you might not have ever looked at one this closely, unscrew it sometime, a little target point, you're going to see three diameters, right? You're going to see the threads, which is like the little screw part. Mm-hmm. You're going to see kind of this stepped up thing that's a little bit wider than that for a tiny bit, kind of the foot of the arrow or the point. And then you're going to see the outer diameter of the point itself, which is the widest point, right? Hmm, okay. So one, two, three. Now there's essentially three or four types of, of things that connect the point to the shaft. In a standard diameter arrow, you know, that inside of the 246, the threads and that middle piece can fit inside of a metal insert inside, completely inside of the carbon shaft. Right. So you don't see it basically, man. I wish I had a whiteboard right now, but you basically can't see it. So when you're used to a standard diameter arrow, all you see is this little tiny piece of metal lip of that insert sticking out and you just screw the entire point down in there. Mm-hmm. Right. Now, as you get into a small diameter arrow, uh, only the threads fit into the shaft. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. I remember you drawing this on a whiteboard. Yes. Yeah. So little, that second step you saw now no longer fits into the shaft itself. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you've got to have what's called a half out, which is part of its half of the inserts out of it and half of the inserts in it. Mm-hmm. Easton also has a system called a hit, which is a hidden internal insert. I don't know, I forget the abbreviation. It's basically just an insert you push down in there you can't see. Mm-hmm. And it allows you to screw it in there and the, the arrow directly rests on the carbon shaft, which has some ramifications for strength, but you can fix that with an announcer. We'll talk about that in a bit. Then you're getting all the way down into micro diameter arrows. Now that that inside of that thing is super, super tiny, right? Mm. And nothing fits in the inside. <laughs> so you get almost exclusively inserts, or sorry, not inserts, outserts, right. uh, which are these things that the entire point, they just, the only thing that goes into the arrow is this little tiny piece. And then everything else, where it screws into, where it sits, where it aligns with all of that is outside of the arrow shaft. Yeah. And so what, you see in is that you have this tiny little thing sticking in and all that weight out in the front. Mm-hmm. The Achilles heel, these micro diameter arrows is the components. It's pretty easy to bend that little tiny point. Oh, I that see. makes sense. Yeah. I've, I'm kind of glossing over those. There's a lot of things. Most micro diameters have something that sticks into the arrow and something that goes around the outside and they mm-hmm. interface together. But that is like the weakness is with small diameter stuff is it starts to break as you get down to those levels. The other thing about that too, and the, there's two important things, breakage with components and then alignment with components. You can have the most, the world's straightest, most perfect, greatest spine arrow, but if you have components that are slightly misaligned, you've got all that wobble off of the, in the broadhead just from the components itself. 
Oh man. And as you move that insert out of the shaft, the further it gets from the shaft, the more opportunity for error. So every single micro diameter or half out arrow component you have to do, you need to spin it before you glue it. Because no matter how well someone machines that thing, it, there will always be a point in its rotation mm-hmm. at which the arrow point is going to wobble. Wow. Okay. So now I'm leaning towards not that micro small one, but maybe yes, one side of the up. middle, right? And so, uh, and we'll, so we can d- dive a bit deeper into this, but the, you know, I think it also depends a lot on whether you're buying your arrows or you're making them. Because mm-hmm. if you're making them, other than it being too weak and it breaking, there's not really any downside to arrow components. I've tested a lot of those. You, you notice which ones are easy to bend. I've got some good recs we'll cover here at the end of this. Mm-hmm. But you do need to spin them. Now, the Easton hit insert in the micro diameter, that's pretty self-aligning. Honestly, most half outs, they're only so small out of the arrow shaft diameter that you'd probably be fine just getting something there. But if you're buying a micro diameter arrow and you're doing that, um, man, you might be out of luck unless you're right. building it yourself and gluing it in, right? Um, some of them, you know, like the gold tip, for example, the Pierce, the collar, outside collar is actually free floating. So you can manually change it later, you know, after the insert has been glued. But mm-hmm. I think it's going to be too hard to talk through the specifics with guys on a podcast versus me showing them on right, YouTube right. sometime. Um, okay. But it's, My guess. it's so important with that. And like you can, before you get to that, Josh, the, mm-hmm. the components come with the arrows, right? Mm-hmm. And so you can't always buy components aftermarket that are really good and strong. They're just super expensive. Oh, I see. Yeah. So it's if you want bang per buck, you got to think about, hey, I'm just going to get these arrows that come with these. But yeah, what were you going to say? I was going to say, my guess is that you shoot micro diameter arrows and you built like all the, you got all the components aftermarket. Is that what you did? Uh, yeah, actually I shoot, I used to do that. I always have shot micro cause I'm obsessive about, you know, like we talked about the best, yeah. <laughs> best advantage I can get. Um, mm-hmm. so I've got the time and I love building my own arrows. It's really fun. Um, but I actually am shooting the day six arrows right now. Um, after shooting some, a few other manufacturers reviews are up on the, the blog. If you want to hear my opinions on some of those, mm-hmm. uh, that didn't have great components, but the day six ones have phenomenal components. I think as far as a micro diameter arrow, they've got some of the best out there because they actually have an insert that goes in mm-hmm. um, and an outsert that both screw together. It's really hard to visualize that, but they something goes inside, something goes out on the outside of the arrow and they lock oh, together and you see them on the outside and the inside. Oh, wow. It's an incredibly strong and durable package. Um, so the stuff that it comes with is phenomenal quality. Um, so gotcha. I'm actually just shooting those and the stock inserts there and loving them. Like I've... You saw me dig one out of a tree. Remember that? Yeah, yeah, I do remember. <laughs> yeah, I uh, I was shooting and forgot to reset my slider. Happens to the best of us. And I mean, it was amazing. Perfectly kowtowed a like eight inch tree branch about what six feet over the target. Mm-hmm. And I was standing on top of the target with a knife. Probably not the smartest thing. Giant hay bale target. <laughs> uh, digging that thing out of there. And I mean, I thunked that thing. And uh, that arrow spun perfect afterwards. I've shot it into the ground. I've shot one through an elk. Uh, standard aluminum outserts and they're working great so dang so those components are very strong on those because i'm pushing i've got like a 345 ibo bow i'm shooting 29 at 67 when mm-hmm. i was shooting that that's that's a lot of energy so yeah 550 green arrow that that could bend that in an instant um components get less important when you're 
you do have less energy on your arrow. Like my wife is still shooting the gold tip pierced platinums because mm-hmm. she hasn't had some of the problems I had with bending or pulling those things out. Um, that's another thing to know. Uh, a lot of guys wonder like what glue to use. We'll talk about this on building arrows, but always use epoxy or something permanent because it's so easy to pull inserts out in micro or small diameter arrows. Um, mm-hmm. Super glue, for example, will almost always come out eventually, you know, maybe six uh, months, maybe a year, but mm-hmm. um, okay. So man, we've gone down some rabbit holes. What we're like 45 in, I got to keep trucking. <laughs> cool. Uh, the stuff that's not as important, uh, FOC front of center. This might be the most contentious of all these things. Um, we're going to skim it though. It's so this became a massive marketing thing. Not that long ago, a guy named Ed Ashby shot, oodles and noodles of animals with a uh, traditional bow keyword being traditional bow um, and did a lot of studies on that and is a massive proponent of the number one thing that causes penetration is front of center mm-hmm. front of center is basically a measurement of how much weight on your arrow is front of the center of the arrow so it's just like how okay. much weight is on the front right yeah i'm not going to go through how you measure that you can find that formula online it's easy it's measured in percents um most standard hunting arrows are anywhere from eight to 12 ish percent. I'm a big advocate for 10 to 15%. He was like, go 20, 30%, which is insane. Really Dang. crazy. But he has a lot of acolytes because it's one of the only areas there's any sort of quasi science in testing this stuff. Mm-hmm. But I really don't think a lot of it translates because it's for traditional bows, not for, um, not for compound bows. Uh, for example, one of the downsides of FOC. And a lot of target, that's the other thing. It's why it's super important is for target archers, they love it because the general idea is you shoot this really heavy point and no matter what happens, that point is just going where you shot, right? Even if the back end of the arrow is kind of flipping out to the left or the right, that point's still going to go. And that's what they care about is that point hitting exactly where it was meant to go, right? Right. And that's also super important in traditional archery because you there's so many variables in that bow that you want mm-hmm. for tuning it. It makes it a lot easier, right? Now, um, the problem with that, what have we talked about when that arrow hits and it's not perfectly straight? Then it's not going to go penetrative as well. Right? So I've shot extreme FOC arrows and you can see them going down range and they're literally like crooked, but they're still going uh-huh. straight because that point's pulling it straight. Oh. That thing is going out there crooked. So as you get into those extremes with wind, um, the wind's blowing on the fletchings on the back and that thing is not traveling straight. Oh, I see, I see. The other problem with FOC is the only way to do that is to put more weight up front. And you get to the point where you're now like, you know, 50, 100, 200 grains of uh, point weight over standard. So 200 to 300 to 400 point insane weights. It's almost impossible to get a, a shaft that's stiff enough at a moderate weight. And it, it can make tuning incredibly hard. Right? Gotcha. So there's a few very practical considerations there that make it difficult. And then honestly, I haven't seen any benefits and I've seen some drawbacks to going extreme. So my personal belief, um, Again, I've heard this from a lot of guys out there, 10 to 15%, all that to get to that range, most guys, all you've got to do is just put a 125 grain point and like a 50 grain insert outsert on the front of mm-hmm. most any shaft and you're going to be in that range. Is there, Easy. are there FOC calculators out there? There are. This out? Okay. Cool. Yep. And guys get all obsessed about it. I did too. I measured it. I went down the rabbit hole and I, then I was like, wait, this isn't. There's no here, here. <laughs> <There's> <laughs> nothing. This doesn't work that well. So Easton, you know, Easton's the, probably the oldest manufacturer of arrows. They've got a whole article on this I linked to in the blog. That's like, hey, there's, you know, this is great if you end up in the 10 to 15% range as well. Um, 
Dudley Snyder had an awesome podcast. I loved probably the best I've heard of like summing it all up. Everyone's mm-hmm. been talking about this for years, but they just summed it up. I've got a link to that one too. Um, yeah, it just don't worry about this too much. I think it is worth trying to get a little more weight up front, um, especially because broadheads will cover another time, but that extra 125, the 125 grain broadhead gives the manufacturer another 25 grains to work with. So you actually get a stronger broadhead, um, believe it or not. So for okay. example, like a, an iron wheel broadhead in their 100 grain, they've got a titanium uh, ferrule, which is the part that screws in. And in their 125, they've got a stainless steel ferrule. And stainless steel is far stronger than titanium. Mm. Um, so, and in other ones, they shave a lot of weight off on the 100 and they actually put that weight back on. Yeah. So anyway, I don't think it's that important. Just get it in the 10 to 15 range, shoot 125s with a good insert. You're fine. Cool. Um, seeing great results with that. Super accurate. Bletching, also not important or less important, I should say. Um, wow, I'm amazed. We're like 45 minutes. We got to keep trucking. This is just good stuff. Uh, fletching, uh, fletching is got one purpose and that's to create drag. You have to have some drag on the back of your arrow because that's what stabilizes it, right? And I think guys forget that is the overall goal. Um, you'll hear a lot of you know, back and forth between three and four fletch and six fletch. I've even seen guys do, um, which there's nothing wrong with any of those, but the way you need to think about it, it's pretty simple. What's the surface area of each fletching mm-hmm. and how many fletchings do you have? That's the total drag of your fletchings. So oh, you got have it. Okay. four small ones, you could have three big ones, right? And they're going to have yeah. the same amount of drag and that's going to stabilize your arrow almost the same. Mm-hmm. That said, there is a little difference between three and four fletch uh, in that the four fletch, you have one more point to rotate your arrow if you're knock tuning, right? And oh, you get a little more clearance from the veins. So if you got a rest where you're making contact, you can, like I said, you can put smaller veins, four of them versus three larger veins. It's going to come out oh. less. Make sense? Yeah, makes sense. Yeah. So there's a little bit of benefits there, but that's also really offset by the fact Four flats, you got to use a jig that you put them on one at a time. Holy moly, that takes a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a really big fan. I've got a boning and a, which is the one you put it on one at a time. And I've got an Arizona Easy Fletch, which you can put three on at a time. Mm-hmm. But if you're cranking, if you're using that Arizona Easy Fletch to put on three veins at a time, you can crank them out 30 seconds versus maybe five minutes, you know, four minutes with a, the other one. So big difference in amount of effort, not really worth it in my opinion. Yeah. There's exactly one way to know if it's worth it for your bow. And that's to take your arrow setup. Since the flex and the tune and everything we talked about is unique. Mm-hmm. It's to take your arrows and fletch, you know, two or three of them different different ways and then test all of them against each other. Yeah. And I've done this. Um, I don't know if I ever showed you, but I showed you like the thing where I did that with, you know, small four fletch, big four fletch, uh, big three fletch, and then like a six fletch mm-hmm. and shot them all at four different targets like 30 times just kind of rotating yeah. around and then looked at where the distribution of where the impacts were mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, at the end of the day um the three fletch was actually the most ac- accurate out of my bow believe it or oh, not interesting okay so it was like well that's kind of silly um and you can you actually want to have a slightly detuned bow it's just, I'm not gonna go down that again but uh so that's that um what else is important with fletching? You do quiet fletchings. You can get louder, quieter fletchings. I've noticed that access to your hunting, they're jumpy as heck. Oh, mm-hmm. not so much. It's fine. Oh, the most important thing with fletchings, in my opinion, is helical or offset. 
So if you buy most stock arrows, the, the vein is going to be dead straight parallel with the shaft, right? Mm -hmm. So you shoot it and it just goes straight. If you're going to hand make them, you can put you know, one to three degrees of what's called a helical, which is a gradual bend like a propeller or an okay. offset, which is just like a diag diagonal angle, like a backslash. Yeah. Guys will even debate those two, which is pretty hilarious because I've noticed very little difference at compound speeds, at least in weights. Um, and what that does is it spins your arrow like a football, right? Mm -hmm. that, like, so when someone throws a spiral, like a perfect spiral, and that right. stabilizes your arrow. Huh. The broadhead, that's, it's not as important with field points, but that's incredibly important with the broadhead because it stabilizes that arrow downrange and leads to a lot more consistent broadhead fight. Interesting. So does that mean it makes this, it not snake as much or? No, the arrow is literally spinning around in a circle while it's snaking. Oh, that got it. Got it. That makes sense. Yeah. It's just yeah. spinning and that, that rotation stabilizes it. It's like a bullet. Oh. Right? You spin the bullet. It's like yeah. shooting a musket ball, old school smoothbore musket ball versus spinning something. It's got rifling in the barrel mm -hmm. of a mm -hmm. rifle, right? Right. Um, so that's going to just you know, rip out there uh, and be way more stable. So that's one of the biggest benefits of fletching your own arrows you don't even have to build your own arrows to do that completely you can just buy stock arrows you know strip the fleshings off and then put your own fletchings on mm -hmm. uh, with a jig which is like 30 bucks so i highly recommend that to guys if you're going to do one thing with fletchings make sure to get some offset or helical in there um i shot blazer veins with three degrees of heat like really intense helical for a while and they work really good i'm shooting the aae max stealth right now with like tons of helical they're shooting really well i've shot them with offset um lots of good veins out there but uh yeah they're just anything with little rotations gonna be be pretty great and also the last thing on fletchings before we move on your the game with fletchings is to match the drag of the fletching to the drag on the front of the arrow interesting so the bigger the broadhead because what happens is it's like a uh, i'm trying to give an example if you're holding a shovel and you stuck it underwater uh -huh. while your boat was moving what's going to happen it's going to veer off some way right mm -hmm. that's exactly what the broadhead is on the tip of an arrow so it's it's this surface it doesn't matter when you have target points there's no drag out there but when you've got a broadhead you've got this oh, surface up there right and we'll talk about broadheads later but that's why selecting good broadhead is so critical but that's going to drag in the air and so you've got to have fletching at the back that overrides that drag and keeps oh, the arrow straight otherwise the arrow is going to veer off right 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 that makes sense and so if you're shooting something like a fixed blade you got to have a little more fletching mm -hmm. to control that but if you're shooting what i'd recommend which is a smaller diameter fixed blade with a less aggressive blade angle you know one in an eighth one in the sixteenth mm -hmm. um, yeah, everybody freaks out they want the wide ones no benefits to those really in all cunning um you're going to be totally fine with a three fletch blazer or a three fletch AAE max you know, that's going to provide enough but okay you know you got to watch out for is you don't want to fletch it with these tiny little fletchings and it's right. not controlling it enough because i think the other thing is everyone tests stuff perfectly in lab settings right you're got perfect form you're shooting dead straight everything's great but reality of elk cunning is your blood pressure spiking you're on a weird slope you're shooting an angle you never shot your arrow is probably going to come out of your bow a little cocked. Mm -hmm. So you want enough fletching there to really control that arrow and bring it back to center really quick. Um, because you might, what might be grouping really, really well at the range when you take a shot at an elk with a bad form, you're basically detuning your bow. 
Uh, I see. You might get bad results. You always want to make sure you've got enough fletching. A lot of guys love, and this is my final thing on fletching. This is the reason for fletch is so incredibly popular is most guys are not good at tuning their bows. Oh, okay. So then they obsess about what they can do, which is alter the fletching. No, they don't. They don't really obsess oh. about anything. They want to pick it up and just go shoot. <laughs> oh. <laughs> what they do notice is when someone gives them a floor fletch, mm-hmm. almost always floor fletch is the exact same size vein. So it's just adding another vein. It's adding mm-hmm. a lot more resistance. Does that make sense? So now when they're shooting their detuned bow, that fletching is going to grab way harder and control it way earlier. Oh, so I all see. All these I guys see. are like, oh my goodness, dude, like floor fletch is the way to go. Got it. Because it makes shoots incredibly well out of my bow. Right. What I might say is, no, 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 that's because your bow isn't tuned well. Um, <laughs> and you actually don't want that much resistance if it was tuned well. But right. that's the whole whole thing. I feel like this is the deepest podcast we've ever gone down here. <laughs> uh, we, are, we are getting down the holes, but I think this is all super helpful for guys. Um, but that said, if you aren't going to tune your bow, like you aren't great at tuning your bow, we'll talk about doing that later. And you are just buying something off the shelf, a factory four fletch. I think Gold Tip is one of the only guys that do it. Day six is doing it now. Uh, that's a great option because you got a lot more drag there. Um, it's going to help you control that broadhead if your bow isn't perfectly tuned, right? Okay, interesting. Uh, but that's also going to affect your trajectory and your energy downrange a little bit because you got more drag. So mm-hmm. there's trade offs. You might, I would always say, just tune your bow perfect. That's the best thing you can do. Yeah. We talked about quietness. <laughs> the only way to know if you're the same way, the only way to know what's best on your arrows to go shoot it. The only way to know quietness is to shoot an arrow. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I can recommend this out loud on a podcast, but I'm going to go for it anyway. I stand behind a target and have my wife shoot them past the target. <laughs> <laughs> but you're like behind a tree, right? No, I'm talking like a giant hay bale, right? That's something that's like, there's zero chances there. We're verbally, you know, are you clear? Yes, I am clear coming out. Okay. But you can hear a difference as they come zipping by. Right, um, right. And where this really jumped out at me is we hunt in Hawaii for the axis deer and you literally see them hear the arrow, mm-hmm. find it in the middle of the air and they will jump over it or to the side of it as it comes at them. It's crazy. It's one of the most incredible things I've ever seen. But uh, that's not as true with elk. They're usually not that wired. You might get one situation where it is. So again, I like to eliminate all the variables. You might get one out of 10 elk that already knows you're there. There's a 40 yard shot. So it's got a little time to move. 50 yard shot, right? So the quieter that arrow they can hear it coming, right? So the quieter you get that, it's good, but it's not, that's not like a critical factor, right? Gotcha. Yeah, so the last three things we just covered, FOC, fletching, and quietness is less important than the stuff we covered earlier with like with the weight, diameter, components, yep, consistency, totally. but it's still the, a factor. Yeah, and then two things that don't matter, and then we're done with kind of the, the stuff in my diatribe on arrows, and we can talk about <laughs> some recs for you and wrap this up. You know, the things that really don't matter, um, knocks, you know, knocks used to really matter because again, it's like a like the components where it's got to have a good alignment. Almost everybody's making a good knock these days, um, and you can also swap knocks around between arrows with the same ID or inner diameter, right? Mm-hmm. So the knock on a two four six is going to work on another two four six. So you buy a yeah. gold tip and you shoot a black eagle, you can grab the gold tip knocks, and that's actually what I do uh, because when you tie in the knock points on the serving of your bow, oh man. Let me see if I can describe this well. The serving of your bow is the thread that wraps around the bowstring, and it's basically the diameter of that string. Okay. And you really want a good knock fit. Um, so mm. again, these components you buy don't matter on your arrow, but tuning it to your bow matters. So you want that knock to go just on there enough that it doesn't fall off, but you don't want to be too tight that it kind of catches as it comes out. Right, right. So right. around the diameter and 
the knock points. So now you're looking top to bottom of a string. Different, uh, different knocks are different thicknesses. So you might get one that's really tall, one that's really skinny, and you really don't want to put a skinny one in, in a knock point that was for one that was really tall because it can move up or down in there, right? Oh, Every I time see. you're shooting it, you're shooting it from a different point in your string. So all that to say, the knocks that come with your arrows don't matter for crap. Find the one that, come, that works perfectly for your bow or when you buy those arrows, set up your bow for it mm -hmm. and then just always use that knock. So I actually set up my bow for the gold tip pierces last year. And then I was like, I'm done with these. And then I went to the day sixes and I actually just took the knocks off the day or the gold tips and put them in the day sixes. Oh, okay. Nice. Much, and they fit my bow perfectly. So no big deal. Yeah. And in terms of fit your bow, it you mean it it technically it fits the string, right? Yeah, it fits the string, okay. the serving and the the distance between the knock points inside of a yeah. loop on gotcha. the bow. So that's something when you're buying arrows, you don't really have to worry about because if you're setting your bow up totally new, you're just gonna set it up to that knock anyway. And mm -hmm. if you are buying another arrow, just use the knocks from your old guys. Yeah. That being said, really do check your knocks if you're shooting i'm a huge proponent of never shoot groups why would you ever shoot groups you're just gonna wreck arrows um you're just gonna wreck knocks you're gonna make it dangerous for yourself if you're shooting target archer you gotta no big deal but yeah make sure to check your knocks um and replace them every now and then just because like if that thing snaps oof, you've got a an arrow that's splintering near your arm you've got a dry fired bow you've got a lot of really bad stuff yeah so replace knocks but when you're buying arrows, it's not something you really have to think about. Okay. Um, colors. This uh, funny. Every gear guide I've written, colors is always in the not important category. So you'll hear me mm -hmm. harping on this time and time. Elk or dichromatic. Um, we have trichromatic eyes. Dichromatic means they don't have the rods or the cones to pick up the difference between red and green. Mm -hmm. So really the only color, quote unquote, that they can see that we can see um, that matters is blue. And they can see blue about a thousand times better than we can. Wow. So you really don't want anything blue, but other than blue, color doesn't matter at all. Um, color temperature. I mean, you're a photographer, you know this better than me. Even if you take away color, the temperature might be like something that's really light might be easier to pick out of an environment. Right. Yeah. Um, you're getting really into the bloody, bloody edge there. Um, I have super bright red fletchings. My wife has these crazy, I have the, you know, the Baxter Bowman, like fire orange. <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That's where that came from. I love that color. So, um, I've got that, that those kinds of fletchings. My wife's got hot pink. We never had a problem mm -hmm. with elk seeing it. Um, yeah. it's actually great to have a slightly brighter one because it's easy. Cause they can see. find it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. it's also nice to have kind of a white part of your arrow. So you can see the blood on it. Uh, you can always just wipe your finger along it too. And yeah. Yeah. See, smell it. Look at it. Yeah, it's generally fine. Um, so color doesn't matter in arrows. Guys get all worked up about that. Yeah. Um, no biggie. So those are, I mean, that's all my components. That's, that's it. I mean, there's so much on this post. There's so much in my brain, way more in my brain on this podcast <laughs> than was in the post, I guess. But yeah. uh, so I guess arrow wreck. So where are you at? Where are you thinking about after all? So that? yeah, after all that, I basically, I'm thinking I need a heavier arrow probably. Mm -hmm. Well, first I got to decide what poundage I'm going to, pull yep. um and then so at least 55 i think and then well i'm at probably 51 right now so maybe i can get it up to 60 maybe i, I should pull it. that that's could be a, a good goal for me to that's set. a massive jump i mean i think oh, you might it? be able to get a one rep max at 60 but i would say probably 55 is going to be safe i mean i go okay. out after this yeah you know unfortunately we can't really share gear right now but i would say this you get to your max and then i'll give you the 
the draw thing and you can, right right you know whatever it's you might have to go to the bow the range or yeah. yeah but uh yeah figure that out yeah so figure uh, out that and then get something heavier i think a small arrow diameter i don't think i'll go micro mm -hmm. um yeah i didn't really talk about that most micros are like 150 to 200 most sorry yeah micros are 150 to 200 most small are like 120 to 160 and then standards can be you know 90 to 120 for a set of 12 uh, 12 okay 12 shafts yeah so we have to yeah. buy all the components so <laughs> right yeah anyway keep going cool yeah so i'm thinking small diameter and then whether or not to build them myself that because that's an, a little intimidating to me i mean obviously it'd be best to build it yourself but mm -hmm. i just don't know if i have all the tools and yeah it's an expensive investment up front and the great news is normally i just let you use my stuff but uh and we can talk about that offline but probably would yeah you know for to be i love being super candid with all this stuff like i don't i've always built new arrows every elk season just for kicks and giggles but uh given the current environment and what's going on and how well my bow is shooting now i mean i um, I'm not going to talk about numbers just because guys are going to probably call BS, but I've had some just unbelievable stuff that I'm really proud of for me personally. Um, yeah. It, I'm going to probably stick with my day sixes. I've still got 11 of them left. Nice. So from last season, I could probably build your arrows for you and just show you how it's done and then go from that. So that might change your decision. Dude, that would yeah. be, oh man, I'd be so grateful. People are like thinking on the podcast, like, wow, must be nice to be Baxter's friend. <laughs> Save your bond, man, because I would have loved to like teach you how to do it there on the spot, you know, yeah, but maybe I can awesome. video it and put that up and guys can learn how to do it or something. Oh, cool. Yeah. I think that's a great idea. If you video it and put it up on YouTube and guys who listen to this podcast or check out the blog post can also just see it all happen on the video and like put it all together in their head. Yeah. It's super uh, it's not rocket surgery. <laughs> it's, it's, uh, it's intimidating, but it's pretty easy and it just takes a few tools. And, uh, honestly it doesn't, um, you know, it's probably a hundred dollar investment. You can have the shop cut the arrows for you with a yeah. arrow sauce. You don't need to buy one. And then really all you got to do is have something to square the end and then something to put fletchings on. If you that's got it, huh? That's it. Yeah. I, I don't know why I thought in my head, it was like, man, building an arrow is going to be yeah. tough, but yeah, so an arrow square, 30 bucks, fletching jig, 40 to 100 bucks, depending on which one you get. So you could, even for 70 bucks, you could have the stuff to build your own arrows. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. Well, arrow spinner, whoops, that's like 20 more bucks, maybe $100. Okay. Yeah, you got to okay. have a spinner. Interesting. Okay. I thought it was going to cost way more and take way more time, but um, yeah, I'd love to see the videos. I think that'd be, I think people listening to this podcast would love to see a video because then it takes them from like being super intimidated. Like we just covered so much stuff, went so deep, but now they can see it happen step by step and follow that guide. Yeah. And I'll give, so I, I do this on the blog. So I test and look at a ton of arrows um, in my recs. I always break like what I know are good ones for folks. Um, and I never say the best overall because I know that it's different. Um, for different people. Mm -hmm. um, but we can cover some of my recs right now. This doesn't mean your thing sucks. This doesn't mean your, uh, <laughs> you know, but I, these are ones I'm like, I know the spine consistency is good. The value is phenomenal. The components are great. If you're going micro diameter, I'll wreck those day six HDs all day. They're super heavy GPI. So you got to want a really heavy arrow, right? Um, I haven't found a really light GPI. Uh, micro diameter arrow yet that has super uh super durable components the black eagle one has some pretty good ones but the components have heard mixed reviews on but they have this new focus component but you got to buy it afterwards which is a pain in the butt so the day six micros are awesome 
as far as small diameter arrows. Uh, the Easton axis is pretty incredible. Um, it's got that internal insert, so you're not going to really have to worry about aligning stuff, which is huge for a lot of guys. It's kind of like the standard. They come in the 2.5, 0.025, and if you have a match grade, 0.001, just get the 2.5s. That's like mm -hmm. the de facto small grade arrow. It's great. Only downside to that one is that the tip, you know, the broadhead's resting directly on the carbon. You kind of need an adapter, but you can buy these like little collars to put on them uh, from Ethics Archery or other folks that'll make them way stronger and will take care of that problem. So that's that's probably my best rec for the those, and they're pretty heavy GPI, so you're going to get a real heavy arrow. Uh, Black Eagle Rampages are really good. Uh, they're really great tolerances for the money, and they've got really good. Uh, outs or, or the half outs stainless steel ones that are pretty strong um, so i think guys that aren't cranking poundage are going to do just fine with that the only thing is it's pretty light shaft so you know again it's probably going to work best for guys that are really really heavy um draw weights and stuff because you can like i said you can be more towards the seven versus the 10 gpi so that's another great small diameter and then as far as the regular diameter I should back up and just say dudes there's like you've thousands of elk have been killed with those like tens of thousands of elk over the years. So you'd be fine with it. Like it'd be okay. Again, and you're not going to give yourself every advantage you can give, but 90%, 85% of the situations, you're going to be totally fine with that. If you're strapped for cash um, and you're shooting under 50, 60 yards, no big deal. Um, Got it. Okay. And in that realm, like there's so many out there that there's not really like one. I shot gold tip hunters. They're super durable. Black Eagle ones are great. Easton ones are great. Um, I mean, any big name is going to have really good standard diameter arrows because the components again, aren't really a problem. So it's just more like the shaft. Yeah. 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 And covering our, like when we went over on our last episode, like all the gear that you need, what to spend money on, what not to spend money on, where would you put arrows? Cause now I'm like, man, I got it. I got it get really nice boots for sure because like, mm -hmm. you know, it's really important and now i gotta buy arrows but like, like yeah where would you put arrows in terms of all the other gear that you need that like must have like binoculars rangefinder all that like yeah would you invest more in the arrow versus not i put them middle to high put them kind of okay. mid tier you know i think your boots are number one uh always you know some other bigger things that are pretty great but you know i would Again, like I said, you can still kill an elk with a basic one. Mm -hmm. The thing about arrows, though, is you can't just... Like, you could buy an off-the-shelf crappy arrow. For the same amount of money, you can get two very different arrows depending on the amount of effort you put into researching and building them. Yeah. So that said, I don't think it's all about the money with arrows. Spend, Got it. Don't spend okay. $95 for a set of standard arrows when you can spend 120 for a set of micros and get almost all the, or sorry, a set of small diameter arrows and get almost mm -hmm. all the benefits of a micro. Yeah. Uh, for 20 extra bucks. Right. For the micro, or sorry, the, the small diameter. I'm really good at mixing those up. Um, <laughs> yeah. So middle extra option. Bucks, yeah, yeah. Get the so small it's, ones. It's not, you know, don't, this is not somewhere to be like, spend everything. Um, mm -hmm. This is somewhere to just like, you know, not skimp. Yeah. Uh, you can skimp in other areas. You can skimp on a tent, for example, like a tent. The only downside to skimping on a tent is weight. That's really right, 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 right. durability. And we'll cover that in another gear guide here. But uh, you can skimp in certain areas and just be like, whatever. The only thing that sucks is I got to work harder. But an arrow, there's going to be some benefits you can't get. So I'd, it's somewhere in the middle. 
Okay. And yeah, like you said at the beginning of the podcast, this is the one thing that does the killing of the elk, which is the goal. So yep. yeah, yeah, and that, yeah. the broadhead is another area I wouldn't wouldn't skimp too much. Yeah. Um, although honestly, most of them are the same price except for the extreme ones, but that's another podcast. <laughs> and we have many more coming. We do. Yeah. So we're I think we're uh we're at a long, long time now. So it's probably time to wrap this up. That was like yeah. my my life's work on arrows there in an hour and 15. So hopefully that helps guys out, you know, shoot me a message, go comment on that gear guide on the website. It's part of the hunt elk in 2020 series. You can just click there. And I think it's like number nine mm-hmm. um, or go find the gear guide and it'll walk you through this. I think it's like 5,000 words, like a 10th of a book. Uh, so just go look through that. There's pictures and all that good stuff. Baxterbowman.com. Um, sign up for the newsletter. That'll get you my email address. Uh, shoot me an email there, you know, drop a comment on it, do whatever. Happy to always help um, with that. And uh, we got to ask the guys to like or subscribe. Everybody does that, but tons of effort here to do this podcast. So really, you know, it would be a huge help if you love this one that you would, uh, you do that. But yeah, leave us a, leave us a review. Uh, give us a, whatever star rating you would like. Five stars would be awesome. It, t- it just takes a couple seconds. Super yep. easy. Not too hard. So uh Josh, I think we got your arrows nailed and we're on to the next one. Awesome. We're talking boots next week. So get excited. Yeah, I do. I do. I need to get boots. I need to start breaking them in and hiking. Yep. Awesome, cool. man. Well, uh, we'll catch you guys next week.